Well, we're going to come to the book of Exodus. It's been interesting when we've been looking at the names of God, uh, which is what we've been doing for this whole term. This is the last one now. Um, we've often been in Exodus. It's where God begins to reveal himself to his people, and he reveals it through his name. And uh, we've been saying from Psalm uh, 9 verse 10, sorry John, just throwing you out there, but Psalm 9 verse 10 says, Those who know your name trust in you, Lord, uh, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Okay, that's been the core, that's been our heart as we've been going through. Those who know your name trust in you. We've been looking at the names of God. Well, we find ourselves in uh, Exodus 14, This is the great story. We've uh, mentioned it actually numbers of times as we've been talking about the names of God. This is the crossing of the Red Sea. This is uh, where the people of God, the Israelites, have been in slavery. And uh, and then God rescues them and we have all the plagues and so on and everything that happens. I'm just going to break into the story at verse 19, which is where they're they're crossing over uh, the Red Sea. Verse 19 of chapter 14, the angel of God who'd been travelling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove back the sea with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. The Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them. All Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of their chariots come off, so they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. And then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea, so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back in its place. The Egyptians were fleeing towards it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The waters flowed back and covered the chariots of the horsemen and the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. When the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and Moses, his servant. And then Moses sings this great song, great song of triumph, the salvation and deliverance of God's people. His sister Miriam joins in with uh, this song. And then I'm just going to jump uh, across uh, into uh, chapter 15 and verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea. They went to the desert of Shur, For three days they travelled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's why the place is called Marah. Marah means bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? And Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and there he tested them. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am Yahweh Rophi. I am the Lord who heals you. Then he came to Elim. Then they came to Elim where there were 12 springs and 70 palm springs, and they camped there near the water. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that is held within it. We ask Holy Spirit right now for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might understand your words, that we might see and know and recognize your name, that we might put our trust in you as we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 
So here we are, the last of, uh, in this series, as we said, looking at the names of God. And today we're looking at Yahweh Rofi. I am Yahweh, your healer. Now, one of the reasons that I have left <laughs> this uh, to the end is that I recognize the subject of healing is massive. It's a really, really big and at times controversial subject. But the bottom line is this. Our God, the God of the Bible, is our healer. In both the Old and the New Testaments, there is story after story after story of the healing hand of God. We read of blind people seeing. We hear of barren women giving birth, deaf people hearing, lame people walking. We read of people being healed of internal bleeding, forms of epilepsy and snake bites. Sliced off ears are restored. Paralyzed people are freed. Skin diseases, dumbness, fevers, eyesight, all healed and restored. Demons are cast out. Even the dead are raised on a number of occasions. The prophets healed people. Jesus healed people. The early church were used by God to heal people. Right through the Bible, story after story after story of people with serious sickness and illness encountering God and walking away completely free. Our God is a healing God. Amen. Now, of course, there are some who are not sure about this. And particularly about whether it is something that God is still doing today. There are some who teach different reasons why healing happens today. Why God is healing today or not. But that all of those things are secondary to the fact that healing is part of the character of God. It's not something he just did Back then, and he may or may not do it now, it is part of who he is. We've said numbers of times through this series, one of the reasons we've been looking at God's name is that when God reveals his name, we need to take notice because he reveals part of his nature, his character. It's a revelation. His name is a revelation of who he is. We don't always recognize that in our culture and society because our names don't necessarily have meaning. And when you hear someone's name, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. But certainly in the, in the heart of the Bible and the culture of the Bible, names have great meaning. They said a lot. They made declarations. Now, it can be true in our culture. But certainly with God, when, we, when he reveals his name, he's revealing his nature and his character. And here we read his name is Yahweh Rophek, Yahweh your healer. It's part of who he is. So, just want to set the context as we have done of where this name is first revealed. It's in the midst of this dynamic relationship that God has with the people of Israel. He's rescuing them out of Egypt, bringing them through the Red Sea. And now, here they are thinking that they're about to die of thirst in the wilderness. And so, as is sometimes the case, they start grumbling. Doesn't take much, actually, for it to happen, does it? Just think about it for a moment. In the last few days and weeks, they have witnessed nine plagues, and they've been delivered from all of them. They've been spared by the angel of death when the Egyptian firstborn have all died, They've been led by a pillar of cloud in the day and a pillar of fire at night. They've seen the Red Sea miraculously parted uh, so that they could go through and then parted behind them again and covering the Egyptians. And yet here they are grumbling because they don't seem to have safe drinking water. Once again, they need the power of God. This time, it's his healing power. So God uses this event to reveal this new name to them. It is worth pointing out that up until this point, the Israelites had not really seen God as healer. They might have had touches of that, but they had not really recognized it. They knew that God could kill. They had seen firsthand through the plagues, 
through the angel of death, through the events of Exodus, they had seen that. Yes, this was something that sometimes he did to protect his people. But they needed to know the fullness of his character. They needed to know his very nature. His nature had always been a healing God. A God who rescued. A God who brought life and wholeness. They needed to know him as Yahweh, your healer. And so do we. It's very sad when you hear people doubt that God heals today. As we've seen, the Bible very clearly teaches that it's part of his character and his character never changes. I would even go as far as to say that there are those who are sick unnecessarily because they don't believe that God heals today. If only they would come to God, if only they would turn. Come to that again in a moment. But on the other hand, it is wonderful to hear stories when people do encounter the healing hand of God in all sorts of different ways. Just do a very quick survey. How many of you would say that either you or someone that you know closely has been healed in some form or other by the hand of God? You would say, I would acknowledge... Look at that. That's amazing, isn't it? It's incredible. It's incredible. I just was thinking, I was thinking about illustrations and two stories, because I, you know when you first think, you're like, well, what, what do I know? What have I experienced? And there's different things. That, two that came very quickly to my mind. One was my sister, Sister Kate. I'm the eldest of four. My sister's next in line. Um, my sister ha- had a lot of issues with her reproductive uh, system and so on. She had a lot of blood issues um, and uh, got married and for a very long time she uh, couldn't conceive. Part of getting married, she also uh, got thrombosis in her leg, very major thrombosis. Her leg was damaged. And then they uh, put her onto forms of medication and began to tell her, you mustn't get pregnant. It wasn't a case of anymore, you can't get pregnant. Uh, You know, she couldn't, didn't seem to be happening. They actually said, you mustn't get pregnant. This mustn't happen. It could be very, very dangerous for you and so on. One day, about uh, 13 and a half, 14 years ago, I got a, a phone call my sister, um, she said, uh, I need to tell you something, I- I'm pregnant. And uh, I was very quiet, and she said, yes, I knew you were the right person to ring. She, she knew that if she rang various other members of the family, they might have gone off, and, but I just knew in my heart that she wanted me to be peaceful and, and not dramatic. And uh, she said, the thing is, I went to the doctor, I was feeling unwell, the doctor took a test, and she said, uh, the doctor recognized the situation and the GP herself put my sister in the car and drove her to the hospital um, because of it. When she got to the hospital, they, they said to her, this is extremely dangerous for you. You need to terminate immediately. And that's what they told her. My sister said, well, I'm, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I follow God, follow Jesus. It's not something that uh, I, I will do, I want to do. Um, they said, no, you must. You could lose your life at any moment um, because of the warfarin and, and all sorts of things. They began to change her medication instantly. And she said, no, they won't. Anyway, about a day or so later, they called her in. They said, we need to tell you, you really must have a termination because of the medication. Uh, you're, if the child is born, it won't have any arms or legs. Um, at the same time, she was having to immediately, ha- because of the change in medication, she was having to uh, have some injections this time. There were injections in her stomach. She had to take medication differently. And her stomach began to be chronically bruised. Very, very badly bruised. Now she's in a local church. The local church began to pray for her. Leaders of the church came and laid hands on her. Not only did all of the bruising completely disappear, she never bruised from that day on afterwards. About a week or so later, they came to her again. They said, we really want to say to you, we really feel you should seriously consider a termination because we want to tell you, we think that your child will be born with no face. Your child will have no limbs and it will have no face because of the medication. And my sister said, I really believe that I'm trusting in God. I have a church that's praying and those friends and family are praying for me and we pray daily for her for a long time. I want to tell you that 13 years later, I have a niece called Grace. And they called her Grace for that reason. She's perfect in every way. 
uh, and she is uh, very creative, plays the clarinet in the Eastbourne Symphony Orchestra and all sorts of stuff. And it's the grace of God, it's the hand of God. My sister stood up on the day of Grace's dedication with my brother-in-law and gave testimony to what they believed was the hand of God upon their lives. And my Oh dear, it's tricky, isn't it? My youngest brother, who my youngest brother, uh, they asked me to speak at that <laughs> dedication. My youngest brother, who was a prodigal, he's far away from God, uh, not anti-God, but just not walking with the Lord at all, came to the dedication of grace. He recommitted his life and came back to God on that day. Utterly different situation. This time, it's in a slum in uh, southern Africa in what's known as temporary housing, a big area of temporary housing of mud huts and tin shacks. Um, and uh, I had the privilege of going to this area many times in past, uh, past years, uh, ministering to people, working with people in a very rural part of the free state in southern Africa. And uh, we, were, we were going from shack to shack, house to house, greeting, meeting people, just sharing the good news, of Jesus, inviting them to church, help, seeing where we could help. And, uh, and the, suddenly they, people came running, Pastor, Pastor, you must come. And my heart is that there's nothing special about me. Uh, we, are, we are all the same. Christ is in us, um, the hope of glory, amen? Now, there are gifts of faith, and so different ones will have gifts of faith. We believe in that. That's our area we could teach on. But I'm saying to them, no, you can pray. You must pray. No, Pastor, you must come. Anyway, they, they took me um, uh, to this, this, this is a, a very temporary shack, if you can imagine, made of corrugated iron. And then on the side of this temporary shack is an even smaller, even more temporary shack. And in there, on a wooden sort of bed with sacks, is basically a, a skeleton with skin and bones. Um, it was a man, he was a member of the family, he'd fallen out with the family, but because of the nature of family and society and culture, they couldn't throw him out completely, so they'd built this temporary shack on the side, and there he was. And they said, Pastor, you must come, come and pray. I'd never, I mean, it was a tiny little place, pitch dark, took me a minute or so to actually be even able to see that someone was in there. We went in there, crowded in there, and there was real heat, and the smells and everything that go with that. And this man, his breath was rattling, literally. I, I thought, this is a man who you know, might die today. Um, highly likely he had TB. Um, highly likely he was HIV. Um, he had lots and lots of issues and challenges. And he was very, very ill. Very ill. And in that moment, I don't know about you, what do you pray? How do you pray? What do you do? God's grace was there and just knelt beside him with others there and translated, do you know Jesus? Do you know anything about Jesus? Yes, he knew about Jesus. Did he know that Jesus had died for him? Yes, he did know that. Would he like us to pray for him? Because even in that situation, you don't just force something. You just say, is this something you want? Yes, yes, he would like that. So we just began to pray. We just welcomed the Holy Spirit to come. We spoke to sickness, we spoke to disease, we commanded it to go in the name of Jesus. We took authority over anything and everything that we could think of. And we welcomed the presence of God. And we welcomed the peace of God into his mind and into his heart, into his life. And then we went on to the next house and so on. The next day uh, in church, I, I was there in the church and some people came rushing up to me. Pastor, we've got to tell you. We went back to the house this morning, first thing. We went back to the house to see uh, whether the man had died, where he was, you know, how he was doing. We need to tell you, there was a milk crate outside of the, of the shack. A milk crate turned up, and he's sitting on it. <laughs> sitting on it. And he wants to come to church next week. People are feeding him, giving him some food, and when he's strong enough, we're going to bring him in the church minibus, and we're going to bring him to church. And then I heard that um, I followed, tracked his story for some weeks after he came, for six months he went, he went to church to Dick LeBen, Steve Oliver's home church originally, it's where Steve was from. 
They baptized him in the local river. Uh, He gave his life to Jesus. They baptized him. And then six months later, he went to be with the Lord. I've wrestled as to what to speak on today. I really have. Because we live in a context where God is healing people. But right here in this room, there are those who are unwell. Who have been asking God for some days, weeks, months and years to heal them. And I wrestle. And I wrestle. What, what do I speak on? Do I, do I talk about the kingdom? I've preached on that before. Um, if you want to listen to it, um, July the 30th, um, 2017, I, I, in our Mountain Lessons series, I, I spoke on healing and the kingdom of God. We spoke on, on, on that. And you can look that up. And, and the whole thing of how we believe that the kingdom of God is breaking in and the signs of that will be, uh, there will be healing. But we recognize we do live in a tension between the now and the not yet. I thought, shall I speak on that again? But you can, I'm not going to, but you can look that up if, if you'd like to. It's on our website. I've also been thinking quite a lot over recent months about the subject of suffering. What does it mean to know the presence of God in the midst of suffering? Whilst, whilst it seems as though healing is, is, is delayed... You see, some of the people, some of the, the people I've met with the most deep and profound relationship with God in my pastoral ministry of 30 plus years, some of those with the deepest relationship with God are actually those who have suffered greatly over a long period of time. What, what's God saying there? What's, what's happening there in terms of what's going on? In the end, I felt that there were two things just briefly, that the Holy Spirit wanted to highlight. One is from this story itself in Exodus chapter 15, and the other is just to, as I was reflecting on and thinking about it, an understanding of this whole series that we've been looking at, the name of God. And I just felt God showing me and speaking to me something about his nature and his character. So firstly, just something to highlight from Exodus 15. There is no doubt... I believe that we can see in Scripture that there are a number of reasons why God is not immediately, at least, healing everyone or healing in the way that we might want him to. Um, And and there are a number of reasons. But there's one that I think is, is stated here from the Lord, from Yahweh himself. Verse 26. Just come with me. I know this is the Old Testament. I know we're New Testament people. But this is the character and nature of God. Just look at this. If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So one key, it's not the only key by any means, but one key to knowing or not knowing the healing hand of God, I believe, is obedience and faith. Just hear it there. If, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God. But it's not just listening, it's also doing. If you listen carefully and act upon it and do what is right in the eyes of the Lord, if you pay attention to his commands and keep his decrees, then, then. So there is something contractual here. Now, we absolutely believe in the grace of God. You can see my problem. As soon as I teach anything here, I want to go off on 100 tangents and qualify. So you need to stand with me. We believe in the grace of God. God sovereignly, in his grace, breaks in whenever he wants to. But there are other things that he also says that we need to just hear and give attention to. And I'll I'll try and unpack this. You see, our God is not just a sweetie shop that we run to any time we like, demanding freebies. I don't believe that's how we are to see God. Yes, he is good. Now, if we were in Africa, what would happen now, Paul? Their declaration, all the time. He is good. And you'd hear this great cry, all the time. He is good. Yes, he is healer. 
He is healer. It's his nature, his character. At times, by his grace, he breaks into our lives sovereignly when we least deserve it or expect it in any way. But he also says in his word, leave your life of sin and come and follow me. He says, listen to me. He says, pay attention to my teaching and my commands and you will know my hand upon your life. It's clear from a verse like this that one of the reasons that God may or may not heal or withhold healing for a time is sometimes a lack of obedience and faith. He's certainly saying that to his people. He's he's explaining that to his people at this point. Now there is a danger with this. There is a big danger with this. In thinking, all I have to do to get healing is to do some good things. That's the danger, isn't it? If I just do these things, if I get these things right, then this or that will happen. And even more, perhaps, the negative element of this is when I don't seem to be getting my healing, so I'm not doing enough. If I just do enough, if I do a bit more, then that will bring release. Brothers and sisters, please be released from that. Please hear But there's a principle that we mustn't shy away from in the words. See, I don't believe that this is what God is saying to them, what Yahweh is saying. You see, as always, we need to look at the context. Any Bible verses, we must always look at the verses before, the chapters before, and the verses after, and the chapters afterwards. God, Yahweh, has done all these great things. He's led them. He's rescued them. He's delivered them in all of these astonishing ways. And yet when they come to this oasis, when they discover the water is bitter, they're immediately grumbling. Giving Moses grief. What are we going to drink? We're going to die. This is three days. Three days. We need to note the verse before. Did you notice it? Verse 25. There the Lord made a decree and a law for them There he tested them. That's not a verse we often preach on, is it? (laughs) There he tested them. And then you get this series of if and then. It's gone very quiet. I said at the start, I repeat it again. I absolutely believe that part of God's nature and character is revealed in his names. His name is Yahweh Rophe, the Lord your healer. But a core truth at the very heart of this, and one that I believe links actually across to all the names of God that we've been looking at over this last term is this. What is the source of our reliance and our dependence? God has done all this. And yet, at the first sign of a bump in the road, they immediately start to wobble. God has to lay it out again. I want you to know. I want to reveal to you, I am your healer. But will you listen? Will you listen carefully to me? More than that, will you do what is right in my eyes? Will you pay attention to my commands? Will you keep my decrees? Will you allow me to be the source of your reliance? Because if you will, you will know the revelation of my nature and my character in every area of your life. So I love the irony of verse 27. Not only does God bring about healing of the bitter water, so it's not a case of, oh, well, that's bitter, I'll lead you to somewhere else. He actually provides provision of the bitter water. Do you notice, just as an aside, how that happens? A piece of wood is thrown into the water. Where else can you think about the healing death of bitterness being healed through a piece of wood? Think about it for a moment. Healing the bitterness of death through a piece of wood. The Bible is astonishing like that. It's the tiniest little throwaway, one little verse, they threw in a piece of wood. Think of that piece of wood on a hill. Think of the healing that came. All right? But there's an irony in this verse 27. Not only does he heal the water, 
that, he, that, that he's led them to. It was bitter. Oh, it's bitter. Yeah, well, I'll heal it. Then he gives them this incredible promise. Did you notice what it says, verse 27? Then they came to Elim, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees. And they camped there near the water. This is not just an oasis well known for being bitter. Just down the road. Let me lead you. Let me guide you. There's 12 strings. There's 70 palm trees. It's not just grace. It's not just enough. It's grace upon grace. It's grace upon grace. Now some of you are living with physical challenges. But what I want us to hear today is that we have a God who is our healer. And I'll come just a second to what I, I think the bigger picture of that. But we need to know that he's a, he's a God who's interested in the whole of our life. He's a God who brings grace upon grace to the whole of our life. Amen? Amen. I haven't got all the answers for why or why not. There are things we can look at. Yes, we can look at the tension of the kingdom. Yes, we can look at faith and obedience. We can look at it. But still there will remain tension Nevertheless, we have an almighty God who brings healing to us in the whole of our lives. He's asking us, I believe, in the midst of this, what is the source of our reliance? What do we lean on? Where do we run as soon as issues come, as soon as things we face? And I know this myself. We had, a, we had a, one of those funny weeks, two or three weeks ago. We had just stuff. My daughter rang up our house in Swindon. There was water coming through the ceiling. Something else happened. Another phone call happened. We had one of those weeks, and you go, ah! Where, where, where do, so quickly, we ain't got any water, we're going to die. It's like, will you trust me? Do you lean upon me? You stand and worship, Mark, you, you declare my praises, but are you leaning upon me? Are you trusting? Do you know who I am? Are you walking in faith and obedience? These are the things that, that come. The oasis is bitter. What are we going to do? Let me fix it, says God. Now, will you trust me? Will you rely? Will you depend? Will you lean fully on me? I am Yahweh, Rofi, your healer. Now, let me lead you down the road to the place of 12 springs and 70 palms. Friends, I believe God heals today. Are we seeing the full measure of that healing that's available to us? And be completely honest. No, we're not. Is there a lot more for us to learn about and grasp in this area? For sure there is. Are there areas of disobedience and faith in my life? I need to come to God. Only I know that. Are there areas of faith and disobedience in your life? Each one of us will need to consider that. But what I also want to say is this, and just let's take the last 10 minutes just to look at the bigger picture What I believe God is wanting to say to us is that this is so much more than just about physical healing. And this is where the other names of God that we've been looking at come in. As I've thought and reflected over the the last weeks, I've realised that really all the names of God that we have been looking at are to do with healing. They're to do with the fact that when Adam and Eve sinned, when that separation and that brokenness entered the world, we, we are born into sin. Each one of us are born into a broken, uh, distorted relationship with one another, with our creation, and broken between us and God. We recognize that's the world in which we live. And so God comes and begins immediately to reveal a salvation story. He begins to reveal a way that we might be saved and healed and restored and delivered from that brokenness and that sin. Right in Genesis 1, the very first chapters, uh, Adam and Eve recognize their shame, they're naked, there's no longer that purity, that holiness, and so immediately uh, blood is shed by God that they might be clothed. There it is, right there in Genesis. Blood is shed immediately. Healing begins to come. God is revealing his nature, one who will cover us. And so actually, as we look at all of these names that we've been, we've been looking at, this is, this is the hand of God wanting to heal. 
to save, to restore, to deliver. I love the, the set of verses that um, Simon Jones pointed out to me that I shared with you. Some of you remember if you were here on the Sunday we, we looked at uh, the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23, the name of God, the name shepherd. But let's just, I just, let me just highlight these again because you can see this again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. The Lord is my shepherd, just Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. He leads me beside still waters. Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is my peace. He restores my soul. There it is. Jehovah Rophe, the Lord who heals. This is in Psalm 23. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Jehovah Sekenu, the Lord, our righteousness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death... You are with me, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. You lay a table before me in the presence of my enemies, Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner, that great sermon that Ashley spoke. If you've missed some of these, I encourage you over the holiday breaks to take a half an hour, 40 minutes, listen to some of the great sermon Ashley uh, uh, brought on Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner, the victorious one, the one who lifted up. It's a picture of the rod of God being lifted up. You lay a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Jehovah Makedesh. That's one of the names we haven't really touched on very much. It's the Lord who sanctifies, who makes us holy. He makes us holy. He anoints our heads with oil. We are broken, we're rejected, we're despised. And who was broken and rejected and despised? Jesus that we might be sanctified, that we might be made holy, that we might be restored. The whole nature and character of God as he reveals himself to us is that we might be healed in our relationship with him, our relationship with one another, our relationship to the creation, to nature around us. He's broken in in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we might be healed. In our dead state, he has made us alive. Even while we were dead in our sin, he made us alive with Christ. Is that not healing? Is that not healing? That we might lean on him for everything. Recognize that we are still living in a body of sin. We, are li- we have a body of flesh. The Bible talks about having a body of flesh. This flesh is still impacted by sickness and disease that was brought through the sin of Adam and Eve. And yet, the kingdom of God, the reign and rule of God, the, the, the work of Jesus Christ on the cross is breaking in, it's breaking in, it's breaking in. That's why we keep praying. That's why we keep laying on hands, amen? That's why in a minute we take communion. Paul, I I just feel I love you in a minute to come. I know you've got faith for this. We're going to take communion, but if anyone wants healing, let's pray. We're going to keep praying. Now, some of you are going to go, I've been prayed for so many times. But in this truth, in this basis, that's where we come. We're saying, Lord, would you teach us? Lord, would you grow us? What I do know, and whenever I pray for anyone, and it's usually, isn't it, for something physical or or, or emotional, but I've learned over many years when I do pray, I say, Lord, please touch the whole woman. Please touch the whole man. And I think I realize it's informed by this truth, that as we pray for one, yes, we are praying for that limb or that... Uh, situation, whatever it might be, but we're actually believing in a God who comes to touch the whole person, amen? Comes to touch our circumstances and our situation. And his healing often will begin to flow in someone's life before physically manifesting. There'll be other things that are going on, other relationships that get hailed. Time and numbers of times I've seen people's relationships with a brother, a sister, a husband, a wife, a whatever, that gets sorted. There is a bitterness, an unforgiveness that gets uh, forgiven, restored, a healing comes, and then, oh my goodness, my body's been healed also. 
And there's times when God's saying, I want to work in this way. Yes, I want to answer your prayer, but I'm answering in another way. Now, please don't apply, please don't triage yourself necessarily directly and say, oh, but if these things are relevant for you, I want you to hear them. It's a big subject, the subject of healing. Yahweh reveals himself in this moment as their healer, physically restoring the water, but there's so much that's going on. Even that picture of that wood being thrown into the pool. And what was to happen thousands of years later through the person of Jesus Christ as he hung on the cross. Just want to finish with this whole area that we recognise now is the number one thing pretty much in our society today of fear and anxiety. It's a massive subject. Please don't hear, I don't want to be glib or trite in any way, but it's a, it's a massive subject in our society today. It's good that it's much more out in the open. People are talking about it. The, the stigma, certainly, that was attached to the subject of mental health, certainly when I was a child, even in the last 40, 50 years, that has lessened considerably. Not totally, but it has changed. But what is the answer? What is the hope? Generations, certainly in their late teens and into their 20s and 30s, living with a great deal of anxiety, Probably some of the richest ever that have lived, some of the best uh, scientific and healthcare ever that has existed uh, since creation, and yet the highest level of anxiety. What does God say? I want you to know. I want you to reveal to you my nature, my character. I want you to know my name that you might trust in me. I am. I am. I am your healer. But will you listen? Carefully. Carefully listen to me. Will you pay attention? More than that, will you do what is right in my eyes? Will you pay attention to my commands and keep my decrees? Will you allow me to be the source of your reliance? Because if you will then you will know the revelation of my nature and my character in every area of your life. The Apostle Paul's words to the Philippians, chapter 4, verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with acknowledgement of the giver of all life, the giver, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. To who? Jehovah Jireh. The God who provides all things, as Paul brought to us last week. The God who's provided everything, including our salvation. And the peace of God, where is that? Jehovah Shalom. Which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So as we're praying for one another, even this morning, let's be sensitive as we break bread together. Let's be sensitive. Yes, we're praying for bodies, we're praying for minds, but we're praying for the peace of God to transcend thinking. It's not that we're doubting, we're saying whilst we're waiting is not doubting. All right? I'm okay with saying whilst we're waiting, but I'm saying whilst we're waiting, if it doesn't happen in this moment, may the peace of God, Jehovah Shalom, may the righteousness of God, may the grace of God be known. Into that sense of lostness, insecurity, lacking direction, needing guidance comes Jehovah Rohi, the Lord my shepherd, leading, guiding, feeding, providing, disciplining, yes, defending also. In steps Yahweh Shalom, bringing peace. Not just the absence of fear, but wholeness to body, mind, and spirit. He comes as Yahweh Rofi, healing our brokenness, our fears, our insecurities, softening our hearts, melting our bitterness, bringing down walls of unforgiveness, reminding us that he is Yahweh Shammah, he is always there. That he is Yahweh Sukenu and Makedish, he is our righteousness, he's the one who cleanses us, he's the one who cleans us, he's the one who makes us holy. He is Yahweh Sabbath. He is the Lord of hosts. He is over all, in all, and through all. He is I am. Please stand. Those who know your name, trust in you.
For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. We ask you again, as we asked at the beginning, for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know you better. We have questions. Some of us in this room have questions. Why? They're not being answered necessarily at any speed that we would like. But we come again today and we say, we will trust in you because we know your name, your nature and your character. Just cry to you today, Lord, as we just take a moment to break bread together, as we recognize the victory that was won at the cross, the great cry, it is finished, the price is paid, the blood has been shed, all these great truths. Lord, would you come even today and break in? We thank you, Lord, that first and foremost it was your wounds that healed us of our brokenness in our relationship to our Father and Creator. That was the healing that came. It flowed from your cross. The uh, separation, the divide was reunited and we were drawn again together. But Lord, we thank you that that also means that your reign and your rule is breaking in. It's breaking into our relationships. It's breaking into our workplaces. It's breaking into our bodies. And we say, Holy Spirit, come. Come again today. Come and touch us. In our thinking, where our thinking is wrong, where it's unbiblical, where it's not godly, would you come and help us to change our minds? We speak, as it were, to our minds, and we say, mind, line up with the truth of God's word. I'm a child of God. I'm chosen, accepted. I'm beloved. He does love me. He is good. He is my healer. He is my righteousness. He's my defender. All of, he's my peace. He's my joy. He's my provider. Mind, line up with the truth. And we do speak over bodies generally in this place today. We say bodies come into the line, into line with the truth of God's word. We, we, we speak healing to bodies. We speak healing to minds today in the name of Jesus. Set the captive free. Lord, we've been singing it. We say it again today. We say, set the captive free. Let healing flow in this place today. Body, mind, and spirit. Lord, help us to be those who live in the truth of your word, who get it into our hearts that it affects our finances, it affects our marriages, it affects our children and our families, it affects our workplaces, it affects our bodies, it affects all that we are, because we believe in you and your truth of your words. The Holy Spirit, just come and apply. Come and apply these things now. Do what only you can do. Speak in only the way you can speak. We thank you for your body that was given for us. We thank you for your blood that was shed for us. We thank you, Lord. You say, do this in remembrance of me until I come. And Lord, we say, until the day you come, we will continue to pray for one another. We will continue to speak truth into the lives of one another. Lord, until the day you return, we will believe for and look for and expect to see your healing hand both in relationships, in minds and in bodies. Lord, help us as we celebrate, as we give thanks. Help us to be a blessing to one another in faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's share communion. Can I just share some? Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I thank God for the word we heard this morning. Um, just on Friday, God's uh, spoke something to my heart because uh, there were a number of issues over the recent past that I've been really struggling with. And uh, sort of 
the sort of stance that says, God, where are you? Are you really, are you really interested in my life? Are you really interested in what's happening? And uh, I came across uh, a chapter in the, the uh, book of Jeremiah where the prophet himself was questioning God. It was in chapter 15. And uh, he, he, he says, he makes this sort of gentle accusation about God. He says, will you be to me like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails? And I, I, I looked it up in the Amplified Version, and it's absolutely brilliant. And I just want to hook it on to what Mark's been talking about this morning, especially that first line of Psalm 9:10, Those who know your name, trust. Just say trust with me. Trust. Those who know your name, trust in me. Now listen to the Amplified Version. Therefore, this is what the Lord says to Jeremiah. If you return to me, now don't forget he's just questioned God's faithfulness. If you return to me and give up this mistaken tone of distrust and despair, then I will give you again a settled place of quiet and safety, and you will be my minister. And if you separate the precious from the vile, cleansing your own heart from unworthy and unwarranted suspicions concerning my faithfulness. Wow, that was like a good slap up alongside the head for me. And uh, I, I had to repent. God, forgive me for allowing thoughts that, that question your willingness to be faithful in my circumstances. It, it may not always pan out like I'm seeing things are and what, how I would solve it, uh, the solutions I would bring into the picture. As Mark so rightly said, there is a much bigger plan of salvation. And that's what we need to embrace. And even when we do not understand, to trust God. So Lord, rid us of every vestige of distrust that we will not question your faithfulness because you are the Lord who wants to heal the brokenness brought about by the fall. And God wants to do that for us this morning. I just felt that as a word he wanted to drop into your hearts.